As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's June 2nd, 2019, episode 94. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And once again, we have been journeymen over this past weekend, both traveling. But we coalesced here Sunday night to bring you the best of the Steelers Outpost, which implies that we're doing a recording of previous episodes, but we're not. We're just we're crescendoing. There is a surprising surprisingly a lot of news not blockbuster but some interesting things going on this week plus some of the things we're rolling forward from last week that we hadn't done just uh to get some of the obvious news out of the way the Steelers are four into the OTA uh, six into the OTAs four more this week before they complete the uh organized training activities and then uh team activities sorry team and then mini and then mini camp starts June 11th to uh the 13th next uh two weeks what, two weeks from now? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so I guess we they're... We still are trying to figure this whole thing out. I guess it's part of the yeah. CBA. The, the difference is the minicamp is required. They'll come in on Monday to get their physicals and um, then three days of minicamp. Yeah, so OTAs, it's an acronym for Organized Team Activities, which is really an acronym for practice. That is not mandatory, but if you don't go, we're going to rake you over the coals in the media relentlessly to convince you to go the next time. But I think the Steelers had 100% participation. Listen, we went over this a little bit last week. OTAs, you're not really getting that much farther ahead as a football team or anything like that. But uh, particularly for the Steelers, who have a lot of continuity, both in the coaching staff and in the core group of players, we know people like Juju uh, are going to, or maybe James Washington are going to take a bigger role on the team, but even they have been on the team for a while. So it's a little different. The OTAs might be a little bit more valuable for teams with new coaches. Um, I believe the NFL actually even allows those teams to get together earlier. If you have a first year head coach or something like that, where people have to learn an offense, but well, let's hope that DeCastro got this paternity leave out of his system. Everybody obviously has to be back. We'll be back for minicamp. Yeah. And then a minicamp, you and I were talking about this today. Like what's the difference between minicamp and OTA, except for that one's requirement. One's required minicamp and one is quote unquote required minicamp. I, I don't think that they structure the practices any differently. I think, I, and I don't think there's any full contact allowed, but I do think you see some pad usage. Obviously you always hear about people getting injured in either one of them. It's the first things you can do before the kind of vacations go on. I think this is one of those things that happened in a closed room and some watered down compromise uh, that they came up with. And they just yeah. slapped two different names on two different things. And everybody walked out saying they won in contract yeah. negotiations. Yeah, the players union did such an amazing job with that last one. Say, so, you know what we did? We got you a 
another set of OTAs that you don't have to go to. I mean, you do have to go to, but you don't have to go to. I don't know. A lot of mixed signals there, but it's good to see so the uh, people out on the field. Before our very eyes, we see a metamorphosis we have seen before before on the Steelers. And that is James Washington coming out of the cocoon, the, the pupa that he was, yes. emerging a more chiseled version of himself. Yes. Whoa, big offseason. Shout out to the Lefko show right there. That's one of his segments. He does this segment whenever um, every summer you hear these stories about X player is in the best shape of his life or rookie quarterback. This guy reminds us of Patrick Mahomes, which is what Cliff Kingsbury, the coach of the Cardinals, is saying about Kyler Murray. Now, Cliff Kingsbury did coach Patrick Mahomes, but either way, the point of that segment is that so much about a player uh, – sharpening his physique is overblown. It's like, yeah, they're professional athletes. They all sharpen it. It doesn't usually end up meaning anything, but James Washington did come into OTAs about 15 pounds lighter. And I'm sorry. I think it means something. I think that that's significant specifically for the reason that I've said this many times in this podcast, James Washington sort of defies physics. It's like, he's not fast. He doesn't jump high. His hands aren't like well, actually, his hands are pretty good, but there's no defining physical characteristic of him. So his specialty is deep catches and combat catches. So when he's going deep and there's a guy right on him, he has a knack for taking the ball out of the air better than that other guy. And that's sort of nebulous, right? Like it, you like you don't know if that's quite repeatable. Is that based off of technique? Is it based off of competition? But long story short, he did that in college and we saw him do it consistently in the preseason. And then, you know, he got some rook. He didn't do that well during that rookie year. But even when he finally caught on at the end, those were the type of catches he was making deep catches down the sideline, like the awesome one he had against the Patriots where he he mossed the guy. There was a guy right on him and he dove for a 33 yard catch or whatever it was caught it totally with his hands over the defender's helmet. And that's a I mean, that's you have to have some serious hands and timing to do stuff like that. Unfortunately, you're not able to see us on camera, but Nick is demonstrating the hands over the helmet move that Washington yes. made. So, thank you. Just so you guys have some context, <laughs> some visual context in the audio format. But what I'm trying to say there is. Yeah, so we've seen James Conner. We've seen James Conner do this. We've Washington. seen him come out a new man. James Washington. Huh? Different James. Well, I'm yeah. saying we have seen in the past when guys oh, oh, yeah. down, chiseled up and yeah, results of that metamorphosis. Exactly. And maybe even bigger one was Le'Veon Bell, who lost like 20 plus pounds. And when you talk about James Washington, what I was trying to slowly and awkwardly set up there is that his talent is deep receiving. He can go down the field and catch the ball like that. And he's a slow, deep threat. Those don't work. It doesn't exist. If you lose 15 pounds as a wide receiver in the NFL, you will get faster. You're not going to become Deshaun Jackson overnight, but it will get him a little bit more separation downfield, I think, in addition to the fact that, you know, I think that he's coming into training camp extremely hungry. I mean, that rookie year was an incredible disappointment, especially considering how big the hype was in training camp and in the offseason, the preseason games, where he really did play very well. And so what I'm trying to say is sometimes I get frustrated with him. But when you look at a player and you say this guy could be good, some Steelers fans are, are hopeful. Like when you and I talked about Keon Adams, 
You remember the seventh round defensive end who people were like, well, we still got Keon Adams on the roster. Like it, all, the, all you know about him is that he plays defensive end. You've never seen him play. You've never seen upside. Well, that's not the case with Washington. Washington, we've seen it. And I think this type of physical transformation matches up with the hole in his game, which is that he is a little plotting. And I think this is going to make him a little bit faster, a little bit better out of breaks. And he's obviously already shown the ability to make those combat catches. He just has that innately. So that's really exciting to see that. And I think he's going to have a fire under his butt knowing that, hey, there's a lot of receivers in the receiver room. And I think that they're, you know, Dante Moncrief, this guy's a very good player. And this isn't a black and gold Pittsburgh Steelers fan signing. Like, I'm not saying that about Mark Barron. Mark Barron, we signed him. He's an okay guy. But Moncrief was really ascending when he played with Andrew Luck. And then he had to play two years with boo-boo quarterbacks. So the pressure is on for James Washington. He apparently performed very well in OTAs. You know, consider that what you will. But I think that this guy is going to be focused. And how good is he going to be? I don't know. I mean, we're spoiled. Like in Pittsburgh, and I'm guilty of this too. I think what happened with James Washington was like, he's not a pro bowler by his ninth game. He's, he sucks. James Washington sucks. Martavis was a pro bowler by his ninth game. Juju was kicking butt by his ninth game. Even AB and, and, and Emmanuel Sanders were good their rookie years. Mike Wallace was great with the game-winning touchdown as time expired against the Packers. All kinds of stuff. We're used to immediate success. But I do think James Washington is on the straight and narrow. And I think he's poised to have a... a Obviously, a much better year than last year. Was it Governor that Lynn Swan was running for a couple of years ago? Do you recall? You know, I think it was Governor Paul. Thanks as much as I. I think it was. Should have been Governor. Yeah, he should. Well, my prediction is Juju will be Governor way before Lynn Swan becomes Governor because his campaign continues with a with a torrid pace. Where did she just showed up at a concert at another artist? I can't. Yeah, I, I forgot. It was Lil Nas X or someone. I don't remember who yeah, it was. Little Nonsex. Lil Nonsex. He's non-sequitur? he's a he's a robot. He's a Ken doll. It's actually a living. It's a rapping Ken doll. Uh, regardless, I digress. Juju. We so we had the first Juju segment last week, right? When we're talking about this Juju campaign for popularity and how a he's just naturally naturally lovable. I mean, you name a guy Juju, that's already a good head start, but he's just such a fun-loving man-child who also is an incredible football player and performs on the field and he performs in the clutch. But he's just a funny guy. He's got so much energy, so much personality. And on top of that, he is capitalizing off of the gaping black hole in all of our hearts, which is that our, our, our love – has spurned us. Antonio Brown, he left in such a horrific fashion. And as a, you know, you can always use Le'Veon Bell as the comparison. Le'Veon Bell, I'll, I'll say this again and again, he made the wrong decision going to the Jets. We've seen this. He would have gotten more money even staying in Pittsburgh in the long run if you're being realistic. I know that it wasn't all guaranteed up front, but by the second year in Pittsburgh, he would have gotten more money. I'm going to keep repeating this so that you guys remember this, right? And they'll say, oh, it wasn't good. What if he gets hurt the first year? He's not going to get that second year. His legs would have had to fall off of his body for them to say, oh, well, we signed Le'Veon Bell to this new long contract. He got hurt in his first year. I guess we'll cut him. That was never going to happen, of course, unless his legs fell off. But A.B., you know, as opposed to Le'Veon, who was just exercising his rights to try and get some money at a position where 
you really only get one big chance to do that. AB just left. He left in in a diva fashion. He left because his quarterback made one comment after a game that was really stupid, saying he should have run a flatter route, which was empirically incorrect because, like I said last week, Ben threw the interception to a nose tackle. There are no other players closer to the offense than the nose tackle. So AB would have had to cartwheel through the line of scrimmage in between Mark in past Villanueva, right past David DeCastro blocking. We're on the goal line. Mind you, everybody's firing out and in between Marquise Pouncey and the Broncos player, who I forget his name, who intercepted the pass and then snagged it with one hand mid cartwheel. That's what Ben wanted AB to do. So yes, it was a stupid comment, but for you to do that and then Another big part of this that people don't talk about is Mike Tomlin didn't let him play. And A.B., people brush over this a lot. He basically said that, that that Tomlin made him look bad. It made him look like he quit on his team because he quit on his team. He left practice. He didn't come back for days. He didn't return the call of his coach. He didn't return the call of his quarterback. He didn't return the call of the owner. That's what you did, dude. And you know what the funny thing is? It would have all been completely forgiven by the Steelers, by the media. Everybody loved Antonio Brown, by the quarterback, by everyone. If you just showed up the next week, well, I guess there didn't end up being a next week. Thanks to Baker Mayfield throwing interception on the last drive against the Ravens, which would have gotten us in the freaking playoffs. The Steelers would have won the Super Bowl. They were hot. They had beat three of the best teams. Anyways, um, they didn't actually beat them. They just played really well. We're hurt. That's what I'm trying to say because of Antonio Brown. Juju knows that he is benefiting off of that. The picture he posted once the AB trade went down when he Juju's catching that touchdown against the Raiders and you can see Antonio Brown in the background. That is masterful trolling. That's like Scorsese level Instagram work right there. And then uh, posting the that's my quarterback type things on Instagram when people are saying bad things about Ben posting on Twitter, defending Ben Roethlisberger while the ESPN uh, slander of Ben campaign was going on. All these things Juju is doing on purpose because he knows. I don't know if you can think of another com- like comparison, but he's doing all the opposite things that AB wasn't doing. And he's loved for it. And so we went on stage and of course he was Instagram, uh, Instagram living the situation because it was uh, a waking hour of his day. So he was on Instagram live and he goes on stage and this crowd goes insane. This is mostly a teenage type crowd and they are cheering like savages. It's like a tr- it's like a tribe going to war. It is so loud. Keep in mind, we keep saying it's Lil Nas X. I don't know if it was him or wh- whichever rapper it was, but you're at a big rap concert anyways. And immediately the cheers transition from just general rah into expletive F, except for they used a, a little bit longer of a word than that. F A B F A B. Like Juju has to know it's like, this is only half about me and this is more about the ex-girlfriend, but I'll take it. I'm the rebound, baby. And I'm a good rebound at that. I'm a great rebound. I'll take that rebound every day of the week, eight days a week. But that's crazy, right? You see how hurt Pittsburgh is over this A-B situation. And yeah, Juju's really capitalizing on it. And of course, last week he was out starting pillow fights at random bars. He would pu- He pulled a civilian. Uh, like a 20 something year old out of a bar, gave him a pillow, 
and actually just proceeded to beat the living hell out of him with the pillow. You are fighting a professional athlete, dude. It was he didn't take it easy at all. Juju and his buddy just walloped this dude. But it's it's fun. It's Juju. Then yesterday he went to prom. He went to another prom. High school prom. I don't know who's having proms this late, but he goes to another prom. He is the mayor of Pittsburgh. He's a god. Whether it was going back to USC and attending classes in full NFL licensed Pittsburgh Steelers game day uniform, head to toe, full pads, helmet in, at USC, did the same thing in the streets of Pittsburgh on Halloween. The guy is nailing it and he's using the AB recoil as a little bit of a springboard for himself. And I love it. I can't lie. He's the man. Imagine. Okay. Okay. I didn't have coffee before this. This is just, this, this hypes me up, right? I think I put out a tweet the other day saying, I don't think the hype can get any bigger for this guy right now. And the the bar is really high because I think some Pittsburgh people think, yeah, he's going to have 116 catches and 15 touchdowns. And this is going to be a B all over again. And, I'm not going to put it against him. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, he's not a B, but he's pretty damn good. So I'm thinking like pressure's high. Obviously hype can't get any, any more than this. I've never seen anything like this. This is, this is like the, where the intersection of technology and culture. And this is where great music gets made when new instruments get discovered in the sixties and the seventies, when the studio started to being, uh, become used as a production tool. With the Beach Boys and the Beatles kind of further this, oh my gosh, we can make psychedelic albums now. And then you get Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix. And then the amplification for, for the guitar got better. Not to mention there's political unrest going on at the time. So the lyrics kind of get better at the same time for certain artists like that. It's not just that these artists were better. is that things that were happening in the world were meeting these artists at the same time and the just a combination of talent mixed with situation was exploding. That's what Juju's doing right now. Now social media is everything. It's everywhere. And with all the Instagram Live and Facebook Live and YouTube channels, he is striking at the perfect time. And I, I just think it's so interesting. But the hype can't get any bigger, can it? Well, what if he goes for nine catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown in a victory in New England week one? This guy is going like they will impeach the current president of the United States and replace him with Juju. And then we'll be back to square one looking for a number one receiver. But that's that's my feeling. Uh, just so everybody understands that Nick just got back from a six hour drive from New Orleans to, to Houston and he was wiped out a mere hour ago. But I, I kind of had faith that this uh, the show would rejuvenate his enthusiasm. And yes. uh, I was rewarded. So we'll pull we'll, we'll that as a clip as the highlight of the podcast. Adam Shine, NFL analyst, just wrote an article. Nine NFL teams with the best chance to dethrone the Patriots in 2019. I'm going to roll down the list and I'm going to tell you where he ranks the Steelers. I can't wait to hear where. Looking. I got it if you need it. I, uh, I'm at the end of the list. Let me go back and check. Did you see them on there? I I I uh, I see the Chiefs. I see the Chargers. Okay, that but those are both sort of legit. Although honestly, I don't think the Chiefs are making the playoffs. They don't have Tyreek Hill. They also lost Conley, their number three receiver. So all they got left is Sammy Watkins. I play four games a year, and I play well on two of them. And Travis Kelsey and no defense. So I don't. Get, I know that they have God Himself at quarterback, but I digress. Chargers, so, of course. 
They're there. They're well I, All right. I, you guys can read the article. I don't see them. No. So Shine doesn't have the Steelers Whoa. listed in any of the nine teams that could potentially. Oh, the Browns are on there. That's of good. course, because uh, yeah, yeah. it's just easier to say that because of uh, oh, how they're the constructed there. Right. Amazing, yeah. So this is exactly where I feel the most comfortable. Not even underrating us. Not even. It's better not to rate us <laughs> at all. We're not rated. We're not hunters. We're not hunties. We're we're vegans. We're PETA, baby. We're out the game. Now, PETA gets like the some brush out there. We're like the underbrush in the jungle. But you don't even need to just slash through with the machete, ignoring us and walking past us. There's a whole underbelly of society out there in that underbrush, and we're out here lurking. We're out here procreating. We're out here planning, scheming, building, uniting, killing the Patriots. So the list, actually, it's a good list. Obviously, it's nine good teams. But I just, uh, I am since, I don't know. There are certain analysts and certain podcasts, obviously, you're listening to one of them, of of people who are objective, I think, about the NFL. And we obviously have bias towards the Steelers. We love talking about the Steelers, but we prefer being right over uh, rose-colored glasses. You know, we want to win. We're looking at the game. The game is so fun to analyze from that direction, right? I think a lot of people who analyze the NFL are more story-based. That's why it's so much more fun to write an article that kills Ben Roethlisberger. Have you ever seen a positive article on Roethlisberger in 16 years from NFL.com? It's never going to happen, right? Because it sells better when you trash him, okay? There's also um, just I, – I, I get surprised at how mainstream media gets swept up in sort of narratives instead of – Looking at teams, looking at football evidence, and making decisions from there. And if you don't include the Steelers on one of the nine teams that can beat the Patriots as an article, listen, is it an egregious offense? No, because the other nine teams that they listed on that list, those are all really good teams. So at a certain point, it's a toss-up. But it's not just that list. Like People are really writing the Steelers off, and I honestly find that odd. In one sense, I understand it because you have this team— a very famous team. You know, Ben's been there for so many years. AB was there for so many years. Tomlin's been there for a long time. They're one of the most famous NFL franchises. And they've had a lot of high-profile letdowns in the past few years, in this era, in the Killer B era. And whether their star offensive players can't make it all the way through the playoffs and they lose, well, a lot of the national media doesn't acknowledge that. They sort of say, like, oh, the Steelers, Killer Bs failed in the playoffs so many times. They only played in the playoffs one time. <laughs> it was the, the Jaguars. That's why that's the worst loss. But there's been high-profile losses from a super-talented team for about four or five years in a row here. Then you take that team and you and you remove the two marquee players. And, of course, obvi- and Bell and Brown. Obviously, we know that Bell wasn't even on the team last year. But it's easier to tell the story. It's, it, uh, the narrative is shifted more easily. And maybe to people who don't pay attention to the Steelers as much, you see Bell goes to another team, and you just sort of perceive, wow, what a loss for the Steelers, not realizing that the back of the run, another running back went to the Pro Bowl just the year after, right? So I get that. Take a team that's underachieving. You don't add any major free agents, and you take away – you know, arguably the best player in Antonio Brown. Well, it's just not that simple, man, because first off, I think the Devin Bush thing is a big deal. He's a rookie. We'll see where he goes. But now this, the Steelers 
they are one of the very few teams in the NFL that has almost no holes at a starting position. They have, first off and most importantly, absolute top tier, at least top 10 play on the offensive and defensive line. For the offensive line, it's probably closer to top five. We'll see what happens without Munchak, but it's a very veteran, laden, laden offensive line, so I think they'll be fine, right? Hopefully they can stay healthy. Defensive line, very good. We know that. Again, as long as they can stay healthy. Excellent top-tier quarterback. Very good skill position players. For the Steelers, you're freaking out because you're used to having the best running back and the best receiver. But you got Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, Vance McDonald, and then a bunch of other guys like Dante Moncrief, who was a great number two for his team, and a bunch of other guys who have played in the system and made plays before. I'm not going to argue that Switzer is going to go to the Pro Bowl or anything like that, or Deontay Johnson, who they drafted. But you got a lot of guys who have been there before and made plays. So for most teams, you would look at their skill positions and say, like, oh, that's actually a pretty good group. They have a clear number one receiver in Smith-Schuster, and they got other people. But just compared to what you've seen in the Steelers team before, it, it seems like it's less. And then if you go through the defense, they, for the first time ever, have three competent actual starting NFL quarterbacks instead of just random civilians who give up 60 yard touchdowns every game. Right. And even after that, you have decent backups in Sutton and Justin Lane, who you drafted. The safeties are probably the weak point, but Sean Davis played very solid last year. Is he a playmaker? No, but did he prevent the Steelers from giving up those old 60 yard touchdowns? Yeah. He's a big part of that. And hopefully Terrell Edmonds, he's a first round pick. He should be a lot better in his second year. And he didn't play bad his first year. And now the inside linebackers should be pretty decent with Vince Williams taking the second spot. Devin Bush, if he can really come along, he's obviously already one of the most athletic linebackers. And then you got a guy in TJ Watt, who I expect to really take the reins as the best player on the defense this year with Cam Hayward and Bud Dupree. We hate on him, but He's an average NFL defensive end. That's not a weakness. It's just he's not a stud. So you look at the Colts, who are kind of the NFL's darling, or the Chiefs. All of those teams have major holes. The Browns don't have an offensive line. That's a big deal. They have a first-year head coach. I think that they're going to be really good. But I can still point at places where, like, well, they just they don't have safeties. They don't have an offensive line. They don't have this. They don't have that. So what I'm just trying to say is, the Steelers are very balanced, and they sort of remind me of the Eagles when they made their Super Bowl run. The only difference is Carson Wentz was playing at an MVP level at that time. But, oh, wait, they still won the Super Bowl without him. So Steelers are being looked over. But for the first time in a long time, I think we're looking at a Steelers team that is very well balanced and has very few holes. And it's interesting that people are overlooking that just because of the departure of AB. Will it hurt? Obviously, of course. I'm not saying they're just going to be fine. And it could go anyway. But – it's it's odd how much they're being overlooked. Oof, okay. Still feel passionately about that. I love that. There are a few rule changes that uh, I just want to review before we go into this. One of the interesting ones, they're going to keep all the, the kicking rules from last year. In They're going to make those uh, permanent. Another interesting one is that they are going to outlaw the, outlaw the Oklahoma drill. One that's born of... Thunder and lightning is, is the peewee football players on the plains of America have learned for the last 75 years is now history. Yes. That drill made me a man, and it also probably gave me innumerable, innumerable concussions. But uh, I used to go against – so I had a guy on my football team, eighth grade year, 
Jelani Jenkins, a god among men. And you play with some good people. You know, when you play in peewee football, there's always studs everywhere, right? And, but I don't know if you could say, so you were watching, so you might have a better um, bit of a uh, perspective here, but there are really good players and there are players you'll play on other teams that will just carve you up and, but you don't know how well people are going to do, you know, at the end of the thing, there's so many different factors that go into a player getting to the next level, being a great high school player, getting to a, a legit D one college, especially coming out of Maryland, you know, it's not a hotbed or anything like that. And then going to the NFL, you can't predict that. Well, of course, Jelani ended up playing in the NFL and playing pretty damn well. It was Dolphins leading tackler a couple of years ago, but he's had some injuries. It was obvious at that age that Jelani was just made from something different. He was also very smart. So he was actually like two years younger than everyone else in our grade. But he was a smart dude, so his parents just kept accelerating his education. And so he's two years younger and at least eight years older in terms of puberty. And he would just destroy people. Nicest guy ever. Super quiet. Kind of like a cooler Kawhi Leonard, you know? Because Kawhi is kind of weird, we find out. He's got a weird laugh. But regardless, was it as obvious to you as it was to us to like – I'm pretty sure this guy's going to the NFL. And I had to go against him in Oklahoma's over and over again and – it didn't look like he was moving that fast, but it hurt so badly. <laughs> and I th- there was helmet to helmet wasn't even a saying at that time. So that was pretty much how you did it. I think the funny thing for me was he gave me the line. I give all these parents where they're humble brags or they're bragging on their children about their athletic prowess, whether they're going to play, you know, any basketball, football, lacrosse and in, in college, and then maybe do some professional for being the pros. And I just said, I see what the NFL looked like in eighth grade. And your <laughs> yeah. kid is not going to the NFL. <laughs> it was Since Jelani was a kid. I just watched the kid, watch the coach say, Oh, we need some yards. Jelani go in there and run it. We need some yards. Jelani go in there and catch, catch it. it. We need a, we need a, a sack, go sack. And Jelani just went in and dutifully did whatever the coach said to do. And he could do it. He was a man among boys. He was younger than you guys. And uh, so much younger and so much much more beastly. He was awesome. It was, I was so spoiled because you just turn the ball, turn around, hand it to him. It's third down, fade back, throw it to him. And it's the whole game plan. But it is interesting because there are people you play with who are, who are studs. And then there's that. And we loved Line Jenkins. I'm actually – I didn't keep track where he, he was hanging on with the Texans recently, so I got to check out where he's at. But regardless well, – finished with the Texans in 2017, and uh, pro football focus looks like that was his last year. Well, even – and he was doing great with uh, – You think he, he went still to, has the same cell phone number? We can just hit him up over, before we finish the Let's podcast. do it right now. Let's do it on the air. Let's see if we can get him into the steel men. We can use more inside linebackers. He's a tackling machine. I think he was the Dolphins' leading tackler. I was saying that before, like his rookie year or his second year. So it it, it goes to show you, like, oh, he had the goods, but then the injuries kind of derailed it. And probably no one who's listening to this podcast knows who he is. So it's it's just crazy to show you how thin the line is between these great players that really end up succeeding in the NFL. I don't know if you guys are going to be happy with this or not. I'm not sure that I'm happy with this, but one of the rule changes is that they will make, they're going to make several other plays reviewable. And one of those is offensive and defensive pass interference, whether it's called or not. And also scoring plays and turnovers negated by penalties. And if I'm interpreting that correctly, that would be um, the turn, the, uh, 
sorry, the mist, the mist touchdown against the Patriots. Jesse James. With Jesse James. Jesse James. Yeah. I think that one's a little more complicated because people argue that it was a correct interpretation of a bad rule, of with the Jesse James catch. I disagree with that. I still think his hand was underneath the ball, honestly. But yeah, as far as the being able to challenge the PI thing, I think we both know what I mean, I think every person in the world knows what this is. It's an overreaction to the Saints Rams NFC championship game. I mean, how often does that happen in that spot? It's either never because this is the only one we can talk about or not enough so that you should change everything because it's a Pandora's box. You're going to create worse situations by changing that rule. There has to be some element of like, you know, that was a horrible one. They, they really missed it. Do I think that the saints got screwed out of the getting a Super Bowl berth? in a lot of ways? Yes, because that should have been called, but they had so many opportunities to win that game. And the just the drive before, there was a blatant face mask on Jared Goff that would have put the Rams on the one-yard line with basically the number one offense on the one-yard line. like, And that would have changed the whole game. But you don't talk about that because it wasn't as high profile as it was in the last few seconds. If you let people challenge P.I., it's like what you say. You know, you can call a holding on any play. When you slow things down and put them in slow motion, it gets – much more difficult to tell how big of an impact a touch has on somebody. And and then you're going to get to the point where it's like, okay, so the DBs can't, whoops, sorry about that. The DBs can't even put a finger on these guys. I think that you're going to have a lot more situations where now every year in the NFC championship game, you're going to have a replayed call that is they replayed. Oh, it's pass interference because it actually shows that the defender did brush the right deltoid of the receiver four seconds before the ball came there with the outside knuckle of his thumb by rule. That's a pass interference. And now we're back at square one, but usually something like what happened with the saints and the Rams, that's very rare. That's why we're talking about it. That's why it's such a big deal and it sucks, but they had so many opportunities to win that game. And then perfect drew Brees goes down and immediately, what does he do? He gets the ball in overtime, which his friend Tom Brady and the other championship game, he got the ball in overtime as well. Oh, yeah, he scored. What did Drew Brees do? He threw an interception. He threw it right to the other team. So shut up. Stop crying about it. Sucks. You got screwed. So did we with Jesse James. So did Oakland with the tuck rule. That stinks. But I think you're going to have more. You're actually going to create more Saints-Rams situations with a, a replay of pass interference because at that point, like, we don't know what pass interference is. This whole rule smacks some political correctness to me. There was such an outcry. They had to react to it. You're right. This is a one in a million, maybe not one in a million, but I mean, it was blatant. It happens and you have to move yeah. on. And as you pointed out, it's, it just was the most egregious one of the plays and the Saints had multiple opportunities. It was horrible. But I think everybody can agree on this rule change being incredibly satisfying and under the category of Schadenfreude, they, uh, there's an additional rule change. The Patriots can't win the- any more Super Bowls? Close, because now the league is limiting football helmets to a certain number of league-approved models that oh. excludes Tom Brady's Riddell ah, VSR-4. Ah, 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 it is now banned, and Tom will no longer be able to use that helmet. Okay, it's all over, totally baby. just the complexion of the game. 
Yeah, because we all know that Kraft is is in between uh, handies is paying for that helmet to be outfitted with the most futuristic technology in which Tom Brady is seeing the defensive signal calls on a virtual reality screen in between his face mask and the top of the helmet. And that's why he picks apart all these defenses. So those days are over, Tommy, because Rydell and Kraft, their days are numbered. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm joking. They're they're just they have amazing coaching and Tom Brady's very smart. But you bet that this is gonna throw him off his throne. Yeah, I, I bet the house that nothing throws this guy off his throne because you know what? I also just there's this awesome uh trend going on right now. Uh, if you guys have seen it on social media. I just lost you on the camera, by the way. But there's this awesome trend going on of quarterbacks chugging beers at other sports games because Aaron Rodgers got put on a jumbotron at the Bucks game like a week or two ago. And David Bakhtiari, his offensive lineman, was on the other side of the court. David Bakhtiari is an absolute beast. He's got the long hair and he's a wild man. He's just an absolute monster. Yeah, he's basically – he's Animal House. He's Bluto, but he can also murder you with his bare hands very easily. And Bakhtiari is with a girl. I don't know if it's a girlfriend or whoever it was, and she's she's laughing and covering her face in embarrassment because they show Bakhtiari on the Jumbotron, and he immediately chugs two beers. No problem. Stands up, gives him kind of that old Star Wars sand people, hands above the head, razor. And then he points across the court – and the Jumbotron moves and turns out, oh, there he is, the other Jesus himself, Aaron Rodgers, in all of his glory, sitting next to the daughter of the Bucks owner. I think uh, Rodgers is also like a minority owner of the Bucks, so he's got a Bucks hat on, and he has a beer in his hand. And Bakhtiari gives him the signal, it's your turn, Rodgers, you're everybody's hero, you're, you're Wisconsin's favorite son. And Rodgers takes it, races it to his lips, and just... It absolutely embarrasses himself, man. He, he like couldn't even finish half of it. He like put up the one symbol halfway in between chugging it. Like, hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna chug this thing. And guys, I'll have to admit this to you. Does it? Did we lose to the Packers in the Super Bowl to at the hands of Aaron Rodgers? No, that never happened, as far as I'm concerned. So, I do love Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, which is kind of I don't I don't hate teams who beat us, you know. I remember watching the championship game that year with the Bears where Cutler got hurt. They were playing incredible against the Packers, mainly because they're division rivals. But the Bears weren't that great that year. And we had just beat the Jets, I guess. And so we knew we were going to the Super Bowl. I was out of my mind. I was I was in the basement of Loyola University with my good friend Jack a.k.a. Spaghetti, who's a big Bears fan, and we had already watched the Steelers' victory, and we're watching the Aaron Rodgerses versus the Bears, and I figured that the Aaron Rodgerses, who were on a tear that year because Rodgers was the MVP, he had about 90 touchdowns and one interception. I do think he actually only threw one interception that year. He was so unbeatable, and you already knew that us, the Steelers, we were still fantastic, but we had trouble against the elite quarterbacks. That was starting to happen. Brady, Breeze carved us up earlier that year. And so I knew, oh, my goodness, if Rodgers gets to us, we're losing this Super Bowl. How are the Bears keeping pace? And then they won in the very end. The Packers did over the Bears. And I knew that we were in for a rough time. And sure enough, he played 
basically like a robot in the Super Bowl, making unbelievable throw after unbelievable throw despite great coverage. And so, anyways, I can't hold it against him. I do like Aaron Rodgers. This was embarrassing as a guy who likes Aaron Rodgers. He couldn't chug this for crap. Well, guess what? Matt Stafford. There's an Instagram clip of Matt Stafford at a bar with some friends watching the Bucks game because it was a big playoff game on the television screen. He sees Rodgers not able to chug the beer. Matt Stafford is, of course, basically Aaron Rodgers' little brother. He plays for the Lions, and Rodgers just beats up on them every year. Matt Stafford had a bad year last year, but overall, very underrated quarterback. Very good quarterback. But he gets his butt beat by Aaron Rodgers all the time. Not today, fellas. He sees him not chug the beer very calmly, very coolly. Raises this beer in this fancy hipster glass up to his lips. Look. Chugs the whole thing. Boom. Puts it down. No reaction. It wasn't gloaty. It was just, I finally got one on Aaron. Then another division quarterback a few days later, Mitch Trubisky, is with his whole offensive line in box seats at the Chicago White Sox game, and they all chug beer simultaneously. Trubisky gets it done. The only time he'll ever beat Rodgers. Then another day later, uh, Pat Mahomes, the other god, he's at a Blues game, and he chugs a beer on the internet. YouTube. It wasn't on the internet. It was in real life. I watched it on the internet. So in my world, that's where it happened. And so all these quarterbacks are chugging beer. We'll see what Ben can do if he ever gets there. He doesn't really go out in public. But then I I reminded myself, I was reminded of like, oh yeah, I remember Brady chugged a beer on Stephen Colbert's show like a year ago or something. Maybe it was after the Super Bowl because Colbert was making fun of him for like, hey, what's your cheat meal? Is it avocado ice cream? And this time Brady, his PR guys must have gotten the hit. They're like, hey, everyone makes fun of you for the avocado ice cream thing. You need to seem more American and more human. Tell them burgers. And so Brady's like, I, I, I like burgers and fries and those kind of things. Well, little known fact, Hoyer – Brian Hoyer, Brady's longtime backup. He was his backup for a while. Then he went to some other teams and he came back. And he's like, I like being I like being Brady's backup. He had said a few years ago that Brady's actually a good beer chugger. Well, Colbert pulls out two beers. And he says, all right, you want to chug a beer right now with Tom Brady? And Tom Brady says, oh, man, oh, shucks. I guess we can do it if you want to. And, he, and Brady, you can see. You know, he's got the TV persona on and he's trying to be like cool about it. Like, okay, are we going to chug it? Can we can we spill any? And then he starts. You can see he's trying to play it cool, but the competitive nature is coming out. Like he asks like one of the producers off screen, like, can we can we spill it all? Like, oh, he's setting the rules. Like he needs to know. Is there are you allowed to spill beer on this thing? And the guy says, yeah, you can spill it. Okay, we can spill it. Cool, cool. And they're about to start. And he looks at Colbert. So are we like competing here? And then you, this is why Colbert is a professional com, uh, comedian, because after Brady asks him, are we competing? He says, I, I don't know. Are you a, are you a competitive person? And everybody laughs and it's funny. And Brady says, OK. And they say one, two, three, go. And Brady chugs the beer faster than any human being I've ever seen in my entire life. This bastard doesn't consume one calorie per year and he still wins. All of these quarterbacks, Stafford, Trubisky, definitely Rodgers, Mahomes, everybody put to shame by this man, this demon who doesn't know how to lose at anything. So hopefully getting rid of the Rydell helmet will put one little crack in the armor. But if I were a betting man, I would say it won't. And if I'm a betting man, I'm going to make that bet on my bookie. 
Bet.com because it offers betters in all major markets and entertaining lineup of gaming options. They have unique prop bets you won't find anywhere else, which is a huge plus for you fantasy fanatics. Draft, James, Connor. My bookie has a great mobile site that's easy to use with a sleek design, offers for easy navigation. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. Visit MyBookie.ag online today. And don't forget to use the promo code Outpost25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, and you get paid. And the NFL needs to set up a formal March Madness of beer chugging from NFL quarterbacks. They don't need to let him get drunk. But you can have one beer, and I really – I don't think anyone can beat Brady. It's very frustrating. Yeah, yeah, okay. Wow, I'm exhausted. Hey, we still have a ton of material, but we, we are running long here. I think this was a good show in, in spite of what you felt like coming into this thing. One thing we started no, talking about this coming week. Oh, oh, you mean physically? No, yeah, physically. I was a dead man. I, I'm invigorated now. One thing you and I had a discussion about this week is – the difficulty for college players transitioning to the NFL, which positions have have the biggest problem? And I also, right. I actually specifically want to talk about coaches too, because obviously the Steelers' running back coach Eddie Faulkner is uh, first right. in the NFL. So we're going to reserve right. that to next week. There's still plenty to talk about. Some news this week. Everybody probably heard is Justin Lane signed his contract. So all seven draftees are under contract at this point. So no problem. I think it's. Probably one of the earliest times everybody's been signed. I'm not sure that that's really relevant. Obviously, all these guys were going to because this is pretty much a pro forma exercise at this point. So we will have a discussion about um, transition from college to the NFL next week. We have a couple of other controversial items we will bring up. But until then, please check us out on Instagram at Stiller's Outpost. We are always on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the website, SteelersOutpost.com, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thank you for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.